NFL fans, welcome to another episode of Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Week four of the NFL is over. Well, we have one more game if you're listening on Monday, uh, but pretty much 25% of the way through the regular season. And not only is the NFL week four just about over, except for the Monday night game, Breaking Bad is officially done. Uh, the season finale was not well, not only season finale, but series finale was last night. Just an awesome show. Uh, normally, you know, I don't <laughs> I don't talk uh, pop culture on a Monday morning huddle because uh, it's a football show. But um, I do mention, you know, references to the songs that we play and uh, what's going on uh, in other sports and such. So I thought it was definitely worth starting our show with mentioning Breaking Bad. Uh, it was on during Sunday Night Football last night, the finale, uh, for an hour and 15 minutes. And, uh, well, it airs every Sunday night, so it always interferes with Sunday Night Football. But um, last night was the first night that I, in particular, chose to watch uh, Breaking Bad over the Sunday Night Football game. Um, well, none of my teams were involved, so for me, it was a real easy choice. I didn't want to... You know, uh, record Breaking Bad and uh, have someone tell me something that happened and and the the end be ruined. So I watched Breaking Bad live and uh, and recorded uh, the Patriots Falcons game. So I uh, I unfortunately our show's not live, so I can't really uh, ask and get an immediate response. But I really was curious as to how many people ended up choosing watching the football game over Breaking Bad or, or ended up doing what I did in watching Breaking Bad and not the football game or watching the football game on Rewind um, or uh, on the DVR. So if uh, you feel free uh, to tweet at me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. Uh, you can also send me an email, holcombmdavid at gmail.com. I really can't get enough of Breaking Bad, to be honest. I just went back and watched uh, my two favorite scenes from the last episode, and I really want to go back and watch the whole thing again. It's just a fantastic show. If you haven't watched it, I really recommend going and checking it out. Hopefully you didn't hear the ending. I won't say it here on the show. Um, I won't say anything more about it. Go and and watch it. It's a fantastic show. Um, One of my top five favorites. uh, And it's climbing. Every week it climbed the list even higher of my favorite television shows. And, And now that it's over, I guess... I it, it's it's still climbing even though it's over and I, I think it's going to be close to number one maybe uh, fall on that second favorite show or maybe third favorite I don't know but uh, definitely in the top five fantastic go check it out so we're going to now talk about just football I promise um, we're going to actually open up with that Sunday night game it became pretty interesting at the end with the, the Patriots and Falcons I, I watched it again on Rewind um, I got the the DVR going. Uh, one of the best investments I ever got. I get to watch all the games that are on uh, TV, and where well, I get to record it and watch it later. Um, and I've watched more football than I could ever imagine watching. Um, and I get to watch college football games on Rewind as well, and all the television shows I watch. It's great. So um, we'll go over the the Sunday Night Football game to start out, 
And then, to be honest, the other two games I watched live were really stinkers between uh, the Broncos and Eagles, and then I watched uh, the, the Steelers and Vikings. Not exactly a fantastic game there. But So in the second segment, we're going to go over uh, some games that I really didn't get to see completely or watch the whole game, um, but we'll go over some good stuff that happened uh, on Sunday particular the the lions defeated the bears that was a big win we'll talk about the afc north uh teams in first place are two and two there's actually three teams at two and two in that division with the steelers bringing up the rear uh we'll talk about the status of the nfc east cowboys in first place at two and two but the with the way the schedule is the nfc east playing the afc west Oh my god, the AFC West is just beating up on the NFC East. Finally, the Redskins got a win, and the NFC East defeated an AFC West team. But that is, that is the only win they've gotten against that division. So that that we'll definitely discuss. And then on our fourth and long segment, segment, we'll get to some good stuff as well. So stick with us here on a Monday Morning Huddle. Let's go into the Patriots-Falcons game. Uh, turned out to be really probably the best game of the day on uh, on Sunday. Uh, not a, game, a day not really filled with great games to be honest. But uh, at one point the Patriots did lead thirty to thirteen in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, and it looked like the the Falcons were just hanging on by a thread. But Atlanta came back and made this a game, but lost thirty to twenty three. They had a fourth and seven play from around the the 10-15-yard line. I think it was close to the 10-yard line of the Patriots with uh, under a minute to go. And that fourth down pass went into the end zone intended for Roddy White, and it was batted away. So the Falcons were right there uh, to very close to tying the game, but they lose and fall to 1-3. and three. New England stays undefeated and moves to 4-0. and oh. So uh, what I want to discuss about this game... Uh, well, we've, we've talked about New England and their ability to win in multiple ways, and that's one of our themes, I think, on Monday, night, uh, on, uh, Monday Morning Huddle that we talk about really a lot, that uh, the teams that can win in more than one way, uh, that can win with their passing offense, their running offense, uh, their defense, special teams, we saw that with the Denver on Sunday, teams that are uh, dy- the most dynamic are multidimensional, and New England is proving that once again. Uh, they had guys that I've never heard of score touchdowns on Sunday night against the Falcons. It's just this team, everybody, I, I just think everybody envies them because you, you have, I think, fans that aren't fans of Patriot, of the Patriots, fans of another team, want their team to be able to just sign a rookie or sign some guy off the street or uh, an undrafted free agent and have him step in and catch six passes for 127 yards and a touchdown. That's what Kembrell Tompkins get, did on Sunday night. Six catches, 127 yards, and a score. A breakout game for him. This is a guy that I've had on all four of my fantasy teams this year. I dropped him in one league, but I still have him in, a, in the three other leagues. Uh, he just is had a breakout game. Um, really struggled. Early in the season, I mean, Brady targeted him 14 times in that Buffalo Bills game week one, but uh, only caught four of those passes for about 40 yards or so. Well, in this game, he had less targets with only 11, and you thought maybe uh, with with uh, Danny Amendola and um, Rob Gronkowski coming back soon, and Tompkins still hasn't built any uh, any chemistry with Brady, um, you know, he's going to fall by the wayside, you know, undrafted free agent, uh, whatever. 
not the case at all. I mean, Gronkowski and uh, and Armand, uh, Amendola still didn't play in this game, but uh, Tompkins was was the the best receiver on the field for for either team, um, except for maybe Tony Gonzalez, who's a tight end. Um, so just had a huge huge day, um, and obviously is on on a has some chemistry now with Tom Brady, who really has, has struggled. Early on in the season, but now 20 for 31 last night, 316 yards passing, two touchdowns. This is a game that I know New England really controlled it from, you know, from the beginning, uh, and uh, and at one point we're up by 17 points. But this is a game that I really don't think three weeks ago New England wins. Um, not because Atlanta is particularly like a. a, a um, a great team or um, a dominant team that not that they couldn't be, but they're one in three. So it's not exactly like, you know, they're, they're the epitome of the NFL teams. Now that that's not the case right now for Atlanta. Cause they have lost three games of, of their first four, but I really don't think the way new England was playing on offense in the first couple of weeks, that if they played Atlanta week one or even week two, that they get this victory, especially on the road. Uh, but, but um, with, uh, the, the offense developing, the the rookie receivers playing much better than what they have in the past uh, past couple of weeks. Tom Brady has enough chemistry with them, and they and they get the running game going. Uh, Chris Collins were talked about it. How Tom Brady, a veteran, knows if you want to get a great passing game going, you got to get a running game going. And and a lot of people don't understand that, that are fans or that are even in the NFL, how important running in the NFL still is. And you did, they didn't do it a lot. They didn't have a 100-yard rusher. They didn't have, uh, you know, uh, big rushes. But New England mixed in enough runs and, and averaged enough running the ball per attempt, 4.3, 31 carries, 132 yards as a team, that it kept Atlanta off balance, and they got a running game established, which helps so much in the passing game. Now, individual stats for rushing for the Patriots. LeGarrette Blunt coming up big, nine carries, 64 yards, led the team in rushing. That's a 7.1 average per attempt. He also had the lone rushing touchdown, the first one New England's had all season. Stevon Ridley's playing a little bit better. I mean, he had 11 carries, 53 yards, uh, 4.8 average. And they're mixing in Brandon Bolden, who didn't have a great average, but he he almost scored. He got stopped on the goal line a couple of times. So he's going to be in the mix as well. LeGarrette Blunt, a a cast-off off off a couple teams. I mean, he was a cast-off on his college team and then a cast-off in in Tampa Bay. Uh, He outperformed Doug Martin, the rookie, uh, who who really is off to a slow start for the Bucs. Um, that's to me is the big story for New England. We'll, we'll, uh, let me touch upon their defense real quick, who's kept them in games and, to be honest, won this game again late. Uh, Khalib Talib, the cornerback that they traded for with the Bucks last year, uh, that was a steal. What they trade a third or fourth round draft pick for this guy? He's a he's a shutdown corner. He, he's one of the best cornerbacks in the league. And um, yes, he has off the field issues. And New England. To be quite honest, in recent years, they've had their off-the-field issues, such as with Aaron Hernandez, classic example, um, where it came back and burned them with the amount of money that they lost on him, and now the the status of the, 
without him the status the offense had the, the beginning of this season without him. Well, Tlaib is the, the reason why they take those risks because he's come in and been one of the best defensive players for them. He's the reason why they've won their four, first four games. I mean, one of the big reasons why they've won the first four games of this season and uh, are going to be a threat in the AFC uh, all season long. I mean, we are very quick to say that Denver is the team to beat in the AFC, and I agree with that. They are. They're the best team, and I think they're the best team by far. But the Super Bowl is not won in September. Uh, New England is going to have something to be said about this, and Denver actually goes to New England on Sunday Night Football in a couple of weeks. So uh, I guess it might be more than a couple of weeks. It's a few weeks away. Uh, but, and that's going to be a really exciting game. Denver, somebody that really, to be honest, hasn't been tested yet. I mean, they played the defending Super Bowl champs, but Baltimore is not the same team. Uh, Philadelphia, I don't think, is as good as everyone claimed. Uh, you know, they played the Giants, who, again, not as good as everyone thought they would be. And, and then Oakland. So we'll see what, what uh, Denver does when they play a team like New England on the road. I'm looking forward to that game. Now, it's worth touching upon Atlanta. This is the first game that I really got to sit down and watch Matt Ryan in this offense this season. Um, you know, I like what I see. I, I can't, I'm still really surprised that this team is 1-3. I mean, they have lost to good teams um, in New Orleans on the road, uh, Miami on the road, and now against New England. Um, all of those teams are undefeated. So it's not like Atlanta is just losing to, to um, these bad teams. But they they are getting outplayed by the best teams in the league. But this has been Atlanta's problem for a couple of years now. They can't beat the best teams in the league. And they can't be a dominant offense or, or, or a dominant team. They have been a dominant offense, but they can't be a, a dominant team. And I, I you know what? I feel bad for Tony Gonzalez because he came back to win a Super Bowl. And not that they can't win a Super Bowl this year. But one and three, they got a hole to, to climb out of. Uh, the NFC is really crowded, and if New Orleans wins Monday night, they're going to be four and zero and have a commanding lead of the division already and a tiebreaker because they've already beaten Atlanta once. Uh, Gonzalez had a great game on Sunday night: twelve catches, one hundred and forty-nine yards, went for two touchdowns. Unfortunately, he needed one more. He dropped the pass in the end zone late in the game that could have tied the score. Uh, that was costly to the team, but, I mean, he caught so many balls. Julio Jones pretty much shut out for most of the game being covered by Tlaib, but he did have a, a long catch at the end of the game of 49 yards. That put him over 100 yards for the game. Roddy White is really missed in this offense. I mean, he played, but he wasn't effective. Only 28 yards receiving on three catches. And that last that last ball to him, he just didn't look like himself trying to go out for that uh, out route in the end zone uh, to win the game in, in the uh, on the fourth down play. So Atlanta, I think they got to clean some things up. Uh, they're not too far away. This is the same team as they really were last year. But... That's the point, I think, that needs to be made. They're the same team. I don't think they're any more capable of winning the Super Bowl than they were last year. Uh, and last year, they, you know, last year was probably the year they should have went to the Super Bowl. When you look back and they blew that lead in the championship game, um, I mean, you could very easily say that they should have lost the, that game against the Seahawks, which is true. I agree with that as well. But uh, they're a team, Atlanta, they play a lot of close games. They normally win close games. They're not winning close games right now, so it's kind of 
sometimes the the ball just doesn't bounce your way, and right now it's not bouncing uh, their way in Atlanta. Um, uh, they're hoping that that turns around soon uh, because one and three, and again the Saints, if they stay undefeated on Monday Night Football, uh, that's going to be a big hole to climb out of. All right, let's take a break, and then we'll come back with some more football coverage from Sunday. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. I wish we could have... um, uh, Baby Blue is one of our songs on uh, on the show today. I had never heard of the song before um, or the band uh, Badfinger, but uh, definitely a band and a song. Well, was, I've already checked out the song and listened to it several times. I'm talking about this song because it was the last song in the last scene of Breaking Bad. I, I said I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, but sorry, I brought it up again. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I've already checked out... Uh, um, the song "Baby Blue," but uh, gotta check out uh, the rest of the band. Um, that's a band that I haven't heard of. I'm sure there's f- fans out there that have that, that watch Breaking Bad that have heard of uh, um, the, the the group uh, Badfinger. Um, but the the number of hits on that song "Baby Blue," I think doubled, uh, went up a million. I heard someone told uh, on uh, YouTube wrote that uh, the song's hits. Um, or views on YouTube went up a million after uh, the finale last night. It was the song in the last scene of uh, of uh, of the show uh, on the, in the finale. So, um, but uh, I guess in the next couple of weeks we'll try and uh, get uh, some some bad finger on the show. In the meanwhile, in the meantime, this this episode is uh, Cars, um, their newest album uh, that actually came out just a couple a couple years ago. In 2011, a move like this. So, just happy to see them make another album. It was actually pretty good. Um, so, going back to football, uh, some really, I mean, to be honest, some bad games on Sunday. Not really interesting. <laughs> Trying to think of the rundown for today's episode was a little difficult. Um, so, we're not going to go into my normal um, diagnosing games like we did in the first segment uh, for Sunday Night Football. That was one of the better games of the weekend. Uh, let's just talk um, about certain divisions as a whole. Uh, let's start in the AFC North um, with that big jumble of the Bengals, Browns, and Ravens all 2-2. Two and two. The Ravens lost on Sunday to the Buffalo Bills, 23-20. to go, go Bills. Good for, good for them. Good for Buffalo and Doug Marone and those Bill fans. I know a lot of Bills fans from my time up in Syracuse. And uh, I know they are they are starving for a winner, even a team that they can just um, respect and cheer for. Uh, the Bills have just been just so bad for so long um, that it's great to see them two and two after four weeks, and uh, uh, you know played a very close game to New England was very close to being uh, three and one. So uh, EJ Manuel had a below average game. I mean he's a guy that's been playing well, but uh, only threw. For 10 of 22, two interceptions, one touchdown on uh, on Sunday and 167 yards passing. Joe Flacco, man, I just – you can't rip Joe Flacco anymore because he's won a Super Bowl. And that's kind of, you know, the good and bad about the NFL. 
as a quarterback, until you win the Super Bowl, everyone is a critic. And then once you win it, everybody's off your back. But quite frankly, Joe Flacco should be getting ripped apart after this game. 25 of 50, did throw for 347 yards, but five interceptions. Five, and he's, for, the, for the season now, he's thrown five touchdowns, seven interceptions. I mean, five of them came in one game. So, I mean, that, that stat is really skewed. But, but still, um, the, the guy did not take care of the ball at all. And the Bills, I mean, they have a decent pass defense. I mean, uh, the second-year man, Stephon Gilmore, is good. But uh, he didn't even play on Sunday. So the, the Bills got five interceptions from a Super Bowl MVP. And their number one... Arguably, the number one defender did not play. Uh, two interceptions from uh, Kiko Alfonso, the linebacker, uh, and two interceptions from the safety Aaron Williams, and the last one from Jim Leonard, a guy that has been bouncing around now uh, on the Buffalo Bills, actually used to play for the Ravens uh, back in the early days of the John Ball era, and uh, came back to bite him with uh, one, of the, one of the five picks. So that was, uh, I would say, a bad loss for ba- for Baltimore. Even up in Buffalo, that's a bad loss. They're now 0-2 on the road. Uh, the other game that was even more surprising to me, because I uh, and and my loyal listeners will know this, because I raved about the Bengals' win last week over the Green Bay Packers, and they gave they 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 put up six points against Cleveland. Now I don't have much respect for the Browns. Um, They've just been a laughing stock in the league for so long. They traded away Trent Richardson last Wednesday, like about 10 days ago, a week and a half ago now. Um, and just basically we're throwing in the towel and we're saying that we're done. And now they have a backup quarterback, Brian Hoyer, playing. Uh, the Bengals should have been all over this game. Uh, to me, this is poor coaching on Marvin Lewis's part to not have his team ready for this game. I know it's a road game. I know the Browns are probably better than I'm giving credit them, them credit for. Uh, and they're playing hard under a new coach and inspired to prove people wrong in Cleveland that uh, they're, they're out to win this season, not just next year. But come on. If you're going to be a Super Bowl contender and you want to be considered a Super Bowl contender, you can't lose games like this. And it makes me angry because I have been a critic of Marvin Lewis and Andy Dalton and Cincinnati Bengals forever. And last week, they finally won over my affection. And they blow this game. Well, that's it. I I can't praise Cincinnati anymore. They're still the same bungles. If they're going to lose a game like this, that is why people doubt their ability to make a deep playoff run. You can't, I mean, okay, they lost a game to Chicago in, a, in you know, the game that they should have won. And my point last week was, well, the only way that Cincinnati is going to lose games this week, this year, is if they beat themselves. Well, I didn't get to watch this game, so I don't really know for sure if it was more of Cleveland playing well or Cincinnati beating themselves. That, however, is the case with a lot of teams around the NFL. There's a lot of talented teams out there, and the teams that don't beat themselves win. We've seen that time and again with New England. We're seeing it with Denver uh, and Peyton Manning's teams. Team, it's not always the most talented team winning. I mean, most of the time, the most talented team winning, but it's a team that makes the fewest mistakes. And Cincinnati has been talented in the past years. They were talented with Carson Palmer. They had Chad Johnson. They had good defenders and, and um, a good running back and Corey Dillon back in the day. 
But they always beat themselves. They always make silly mistakes and penalties and turnovers and not taking care of the ball. And Pittsburgh and Cincinnati were all, or Pittsburgh, uh, I'm sorry, Baltimore and Pittsburgh were always better than the Bengals. Well, this year was the the chance. It's still the Bengals' chance to do something with this division, make a deep playoff run. I mean, they still can do it, even with this loss. But they had a great chance to take control of the division, send Cleveland to one and three. Pittsburgh is already zero and four. The seasons would practically be over for those two teams. Baltimore would be lying in the weeds at two and two. Well, now you give life to Cleveland and Baltimore. And now everybody's tied at 2-2. Two and two. And quite frankly, Pittsburgh, even at 0-4, can kind of say, well, we're still in this thing. We're only two games back, even though they're 0-4. So uh, it just I think this is a really disappointing loss for Cincinnati. I don't think that can be overstated, how disappointing this is. And they, if you look at the box score, again, I didn't watch this game. Not a ton of mistakes jump at you. I can't really tell like what they did wrong. It just seems like Cleveland played better than they did. They stopped A.J. Green. The Bengals did not get a running game going. Green had 51 yards receiving on seven catches. Bernard had 37 rushing yards. Green Ellis had 13. That's Ben Jarvis, Green Ellis. Uh, combined, they only had 16 carries, so they really put this game on the shoulders of Andy Dalton, and he was 23 of 42 with 206 yards and a pick. Didn't even throw a touchdown pass. So all indications just say that Cleveland played better and was ready to play over the Bengals. They just simply laid an egg. And that's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, it might not affect them making the playoffs. They could still win this division. But the good teams don't lay eggs on the road against bad teams. And if they do lay an egg, they normally still find a way to win. You know, teams like New England, uh, Baltimore in years past, maybe not this year, but in years past for Baltimore, um, I would say Peyton Manning's teams with Indianapolis, Denver, they sometimes they'll they'll lose or they'll they'll win ugly even I'll throw in Pittsburgh I didn't want to throw in Pittsburgh because they're they're pretty bad this year but in years past this is true with Pittsburgh they might have a short week or have an opponent that is um by far inferior and they're on the road and it's closer than it's expected but 9 out of 10 the good teams they still find a way to win that game this is a bad loss for Cincinnati. It really is. Let's go over to the NFC North now. Uh, the Chicago Bears took their perfect record into Detroit, and the Lions, quite frankly, spanked them. 40-32 to was the final score. It wasn't that close. Chicago scored 16 points in the fourth quarter to make it a little bit more interesting, but uh, the last touchdown came with 43 seconds left. Um, uh, two touchdowns for the Bears came with... Uh, Four minutes left, and they converted on two uh, two point conversions. So at one point they were actually down um, by uh, by twenty four points. So this was a really good win for for Detroit. And the big thing for them again, a game that I didn't get to see any of, but looking at the box score, Reggie Bush. That 18 carries, 139 yards, jumps out at you. A great average of 7.7. Joaquin Bell was a disappointment, only had 12 yards on 7 carries. But Reggie Bush is just perfect for this offense, isn't he? It's just it's so nice to see the Heisman Trophy winner. Yes, in my mind, he still won the Heisman Trophy. 
as as a threat on offense. And uh, there was a discussion on Fox after the games yesterday with uh, Terry Bradshaw and Mike Mike Strahan about um, uh, Reggie Bush and how he was treated in New Orleans and how he left for money or for for carry for to get the number one job. Whether that's true or, or whether which one is the case, or they're both the case uh, cases are true. It was. It's just nice to see him used as an every down back and to see him run between the tackles. He's grown up a lot, and there was a lot of critics of his in New Orleans that he was only a, a glorified punt returner or kickoff returner and only was good in space. Well, he's proven this season. I think he will continue to prove that he is good in between the tackles as well, and he can be if he's not the focal point. You know, he's, I don't think he can ever be an Adrian Peterson where he carries his team like Peterson did last year to the playoffs. I don't think he can do that. But with Matt Stafford and and uh, Calvin Johnson and other weapons in this offense that they have to worry about, throw in a Reggie Bush running, Detroit finally has a running game, and they are so much more dangerous with a running game. I, I, I know I talk about it all the time, but... Teams that can run the ball have such a better chance of winning in the NFL, uh, uh, and they have such a better chance of passing, which ultimately still wins games or, or does win games. That Everybody wants to say passing wins games, and that's true, but it's hard to pass when you can't run. Detroit is going to be able to run the ball, I think, all season long, as long as Reggie Bush is healthy. And uh, Joaquin Bell, the backup, not a bad running back as well, so I think the Lions are set at uh, that running back position. The Bears... Came back to earth a little bit. Showed um, why some people are still doubting them, I think. Jay Cutler turned the ball over a lot in this game. Three interceptions. I think he had a couple of fumbles. Uh, yeah, he had, well, he had one fumble and, and he lost it. So four turnovers for Jay Cutler on the day. I mean, the Bears, the Bears defense is so good. Just take care of the ball. Take care of the ball, Jay. You don't need to score a ton of points. You know, on most days you don't. You're not going to have to score more than 40 points. If you take care of the ball, the the Lions aren't going to score 40 points on your defense. I mean, I know it's easier said than done to just say, "Well, stop throwing interceptions," but it, you know there is some truth to it. You got to take care of the ball before anything else. Uh, Jay Cutler, decent numbers. Other than that, 27 of 47, 317 yards, two touchdowns. Was sacked three times. That that bear offensive line has been pretty good so far. And Matt Forte ran well. He got 95 yards and a touchdown on the day. But uh, overall for the Bears, who uh, are actually all of a sudden after being undefeated are now in second place in the NFC North. Um, just I think they need to continue to try and run the ball with Matt Forte and, and take have Jay Cutler have quick... Um, decisive throws like he did early on in the game against the Steelers on Sunday night. That was when the offense was most effective and the safest throws for for Cutler. And he's not going to get hit and not be in danger of fumbling the ball. That, to me, is when the Bears are the most effective on offense. On defense, defense is going to take care of itself. They, They get more turnovers and more touchdowns, it seems like, than any other defense every single year. They score a lot on special teams. So, really, just... Take care of the ball and try to eliminate those turnovers as much as possible. 
boy, we're going to have a really crowded NFC. I mean, I've been saying that through the offseason and in our episodes in July and August, but I really think it's true. I mean, we got the Lions and Bears in first and second. We haven't even talked about the Packers who are on a bye. They're one and two, but you got to think the Packers will be involved in the playoffs at some point. Um, in the well, Let's forget about the NFC East for a second. Uh, the NFC South, the Saints are the, the front runners right now, but I think the Falcons will be involved at some point. You got to think that. And, and in the West, the Rams have been a disappointment, but you still got the 49ers and the Seahawks. So there's a bunch of teams involved, and unfortunately, I think it's unfortunate for the NFL, but not unfortunate for the four cities in the NFC East. But somebody from the NFC East has to emerge and be a playoff team. Uh, I think it might be Dallas, but who knows? Uh, Dallas doesn't seem to want to emerge as that playoff team. Uh, we're going to take another break here, and then we'll come back with some uh, good, good statements in our fourth and long segment. Welcome back to Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. This, uh, now we're getting into our fourth and long segment. Uh, we're going to discuss a few topics that I, I missed in the first two segments. Uh, we're going to go to, first, the Denver Broncos um, and their win against the Philadelphia Eagles. It's hard to believe the Broncos have been around for a long time, right? I mean, an old-time AFL team, but still been around uh, Classic NFL team really since the I guess the seventies maybe since the since they drafted John Elway in nineteen eighty three they've been one of the premier teams in the league. Um, how many uh, su- five Super Bowl appearances since uh, nineteen eighty seven? Two of those being victories. Um, so really a classic uh, AFC team when you really think about the history of the NFL and the and the AFC um, have. They are tied for the second most Super Bowl appearances from the AFC. They're tied with New England. Uh, Pittsburgh has the most. Uh, they are, but the reason why I bring all this history up, they set a record for points scored in a game on Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles, 52. So it's, I just find that hard to believe that the Broncos had never scored 52 points in a game before uh, with John Elway as quarterback for so many years. Uh, but they scored in all kinds of different ways. I know they blocked a punt. Uh, they didn't score on the block punt, but they scored later on that drive. Uh, they scored twice on um, on kickoffs. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry. They did score on that blocked punt. That was one of their special team scores, uh, and they did score on a kickoff. So one kickoff touchdown, a block punt touchdown, and then four passing touchdowns from Peyton Manning. He now has 16 on the season. No interceptions. I mean, th- this team is on pace to break all kinds of records. So my state, um, well, let me give you the records that they're on pace to break first. First, let's go with team records, okay, on offense. The previous records uh, for points scored in a season is owned by the New England Patriots from back in 2007, 589. The Denver Broncos are on pace to score 716 points this season. Now, I know that's a ridiculous rating right now. I mean, they've scored 44.75 points per game, which actually would also be a record. Records for points per game 
minimum of 10 games a season, the Los Angeles Rams in 1950 scored 466 points in 12 games for an average of 38.8 points per game. So uh, with the 52 points on Sunday, the Broncos passed that. Those are the the um, team records that I think they'll be going for or close to at the end of the season. And then individually, Peyton Manning, I mean, I think he's on pace for the yards, which seems to be broken every single year by somebody. But what's really impressive is if he gets the touchdowns. He had the record for touchdowns in a season with 49, but Tom Brady broke that record with 50 in 2007. <laughs> Manning is on pace for 64 touchdown passes so far this year. He has 16 in, uh, in four games, no interceptions. Just an unbelievable pace. My, my statement, um, the Broncos can realistically break all three of these records. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to punt it away still. Uh, I think they're going to get close to a couple of these. I think Peyton Manning is going to get close to that touchdown, if not break that touchdown, um, that touchdown mark. Um, but the points, it just... It's way out of proportion. I mean, they're not going to average 44 points a game for the whole season. Uh, I don't think they're going to average 38 points a game for the whole season. Uh, They're going to be above 30, obviously, and probably around 35. I don't think they're going to get to to the average of 38. But in order to get 590 points, which would break um, New England's record, let's do a little quick math right here. They'd have to average... 36.87 points, so close to 37 points per game in order to pass New England's record of 589 points. I mean, I think they will have a realistic shot at that, but if you take a look at uh, Denver's schedule, it's actually might get too easy um, for for them to to break it, to be honest. I mean, they have a couple tough games. They play Dallas next week in Dallas. I'm interested to see how that one goes with Dallas being the division leader right now in the NFC East. Uh, and then they have, uh, they have games against Jacksonville, against Washington, against San Diego, two games against San Diego, division foe, Kansas City twice. They do play New, New England in New England, uh, Houston, Oakland one more time. Uh, for home against Tennessee and at Indianapolis and, and and home against Jacksonville in two weeks. Um, it's, it's tough to tell almost because I feel like, yes, you want an easy schedule to score a lot of points. Um, so maybe that helps their, them go for that points record. If they play, you know, if they put up 50 points, I don't know if they're going to routinely put up 50 points, but 40 points, uh, 45 points against teams like Jacksonville, Washington, um, Tennessee, maybe Oakland again. Um, but if they're up by that many points, Peyton Manning is not going to play, especially at the end of the season when they wrap up, uh, the division and home field advantage, they're hoping, and Peyton Manning's not going to play and might not have a chance to break um, Tom Brady's record. That being said, I would not be surprised if any of these records go down. I really wouldn't. I mean, they're on pace to, to blow these records out of the water. Now, I, I don't think they're going to maintain this pace. I mean, they've scored at least 37 points in each game. Um, I don't think that they're going to routinely put up 52 points. I mean, I just said it's the first time Denver's ever scored that many points in a game in their whole franchise history. But this is something that I will be monitoring, and I think a lot of people will be monitoring um, as well uh, to see if they can indeed break this record. Actually, 
it's probably in Denver's favor not to break the scoring record anyway for for points for a team. Uh, during the game uh, on on Sunday between the Eagles, I, I forget the exact stat, but the uh, CBS ran a bunch of uh, teams that, or I'm sorry, it was Fox. Fox ran a bunch of teams that had led the league in scoring uh, from years past. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings from 1998, uh, the New England Patriots from 2007. There were some other teams that I, I'm not remembering right now. None of them ended up winning the NFL championship or the Super Bowl. Whatever, if it was prior to the Super Bowl and the NFL championship, Super Bowl era, they didn't win the, the Lombardi Trophy. So that's interesting. Uh, Denver obviously trying to lead the league in scoring and um, beat that that uh, maybe that curse and uh, win the Super Bowl while leading the, the NFL in scoring. Now teams have led the NFL in scoring and won Super Bowl before, but just kind of... Uh, ironic that teams like the New England Patriots in 2007, one of the best offenses of all time, wasn't able to score enough points to win Super Bowl 42. Uh, Denver hoping that's not the case for them this season, and we'll see. But uh, I, I do really do think Denver. Is, I mean, New England was a favorite that season, but I do think Denver is the favorite this year, and it's going to be tough for anybody to knock them off before the Super Bowl, especially in the AFC. But even in the Super Bowl, they look like the favorite, and it's also because of that running game, but also because of that uh, that defense. They have a better defense than I think. I think than the 2007 Patriots had, and uh, they could at some point. They're probably going to have to win a game with their defense, and if Von Miller comes back uh, when he does and is completely himself and they continue to progress on defense, um, Denver is going to be definitely the favorite uh, going come, coming closer to uh, t- time in January. Okay, I said that we would discuss the NFC East. Um, This is going to be, well, we're going to discuss the NFC East along with uh, the last team we didn't discuss in the AFC North in the second segment. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York Giants are both 0-4. Surprises to me. I did not think either of these teams would be winless after a quarter of the season. My statement, not will these teams make the playoffs. Will both these teams finish in last place. I'm going to punt this one away as well. Um, I think at this point, the Steelers have a good chance of finishing in last place. I've seen all their games, and they just flat out don't look good. I'm. It's, it's hard to dissect really exactly what's going wrong because there's so much going wrong with that team. Uh, the offense isn't clicking. Uh, the, I think the receiving core is overrated. Um, guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Antonio Brown is good, but guys like Sanders and some of the other young guys, you saw it last year. They didn't take care of the ball. They don't make good catches. We, we saw it again on Sunday. San, Sanders gave up on a route, which turned into an interception for Big Ben. Big Ben has not played well. He coughs up the ball a lot in interceptions and he's fumbling. He doesn't seem to be moving around as much or, or as well. Maybe he's a little bit slower, um, because of, you know, the age is starting to show um, a little bit there. 
Uh, but it doesn't help that he's he's not blocking. Nobody on the offensive line is blocking anybody for him. I think Ben would look a lot better and look like he would look like a premier passer if he got protection. But he's not getting that. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, at least he came out and ran well. The rookie started his first game on Sunday. He scored two touchdowns. That's a positive for the Steelers. But the defense gave up big play after big play against Adrian Peterson and the Vikings. No turnovers. I don't think they've gotten a sack yet either. There's no big play threat on that defense, and that's just surprising to me. Paul Malu is playing well and flying around. Ike Taylor is playing well. He should have had an interception, but it got knocked away by Jerome Simpson in the end zone very early in the first quarter of that game. Uh, they nearly got a turnover with a, a sack fumble, but uh, the fumble was recovered by Greg Jennings and advanced for a first down on a key third down play, and that drive led to a field goal for the Vikings. So just nothing going wrong, nothing going right for the Steelers. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong, and they're just not a good ball club this year. I think they have a good chance of finishing in last place. The only team that would compete with them for that is Cleveland, and they're 2-2. Two and two. So it's probably going to come down to how Pittsburgh plays against Cleveland, who finishes in last place in the AFC North. For the Giants, that is a very winnable division uh, in the NFC East. Dallas, 2-2, two and two, they lead it. Washington back alive somehow at 1-3. and three. They beat Oakland on Sunday. Uh, Philadelphia, the big loss to Denver, they fall to 1-3 and three as well. The big thing for this division, they're playing at the AFC West. And only one team from the NFC East has beaten a team from the AFC West. That was the Redskins beating Oakland on Sunday. Uh, Philadelphia has lost to three of the teams, Denver, Kansas City, and San Diego. The Giants lost to Denver and to the Chiefs. Uh, Dallas lost to the Chiefs and San Diego. It just this goes on and on. Um, the, the, those four teams better hope that they can beat Oakland because they're not going to beat any of the other teams or have already lost to all the other teams. So <laughs> that's just kind of kind of funny that the AFC West going into the season was probably one of considered one of the weaker divisions and now seems to be one of the best divisions, especially in the AFC. And the NFC East is very weak. Um, so I, I think because of the weak division, the Giants have a chance to not finish in last. I think they could still turn it around and, to be honest, still win this division. They, they could finish the season 8-4, and four, finish 8-8, eight and eight, and that could win the NFC East. Will they finish 8-4? and four? I, I don't know. I mean, the, this team has a lot of weaknesses. It's shown a lot of holes. They can't block guys just like the Steelers can't. Eli Manning's getting hit a lot, throwing a lot of interceptions. He's not taking care of the ball. They can't get a running game going. David Wilson did a little bit better on Sunday. I got the most yards of his career so far, and the Giants' team did better rushing. But, um, again, struggled. I give all the credit to Kansas City. That Kansas City played very well again in a very tough place to play in Arrowhead. So I think all the credit should be given to that AFC West. They're playing very, very, very well. Denver and Kansas City. I think Denver we know is for real. Kansas City, I think, and I hope people finally give Alex Smith a chance. A lot of people still around here in New York before this game. I heard at work here in New Jersey, all the Giants fans saying, oh, we're still playing Alex Smith. We're okay. Alex Smith very rarely beats the Giants. Well, <laughs> I just that's that always seems funny to me that people try and use past um, past games to analyze uh, a game coming up. I mean, I know that obviously that that helps with predictions, and everybody wants to make a prediction. But 
it was with a completely different team. It was a completely different era, and there was different players on the Giants, and, and Smith was with the 49ers, and, you know, maybe some of those games were in New York. It's just completely different um, scenario. Uh, so it just doesn't seem uh, fair to really compare that. And, um, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm, I'm not particularly happy that the Giants lost. I mean, I'm not rooting against them, but I'm happy for Alex Smith that he's still proving his naysayers wrong, whatever naysayers he has left out there, and he proves that he is a is a good quarterback and he can win in this league. So for for the Giants, tough they did they actually do have a tough schedule ahead, but uh going forward they just got to got to they they can they can still pull this out. And they got to believe that they can. And uh, if they improve every single week, they've only lost one division game to Dallas. If they win next week against Philadelphia and then they play Philadelphia again in three weeks, they take care of the games against Washington. And if they beat Dallas, they basically have to win the division games, is what I'm saying. If they can go 5-1 and one in the division, they'll have all the tiebreakers and get three other wins somewhere else, three or four other wins, they could still be a playoff team. My last statement, I'm going to a game that a lot of people were excited about. I wasn't really in particular because I thought Seattle would win more handedly. But uh, in Houston, it took overtime for the Seahawks to defeat the Texans 23-20. to In this game, uh, the Texans at one point led 20-6. to And in the fourth quarter, the Seahawks came back and scored twice. With less than eight minutes left in the game, Marshawn Lynch on a three-yard touchdown. And then inside of three minutes to go, this cannot happen. Matt Schaub basically throws up a pass, and Richard Sherman intercepts it, returns it 58 yards for a score. That tied the game, and the Seahawks won late in overtime. So my statement about them, though, the Seahawks are an average team if they play on the road. You know, I, I I guess I I know I'm saying that I come up with the statements as the host and the producer of the show, uh, but it's another statement that I'm going to punt away and and I'm going to say wait and see. Uh, we've only had two games, so it's a small sample size, uh, but there does appear to have a very there 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 does appear to have, be a really big difference between Seattle's play at home versus on the road. At home this season. They've given up 20 points in two games, and they've scored 74 points. <laughs> That's a huge difference. And then on the road, they've won 12-7 to Carolina, and then won in overtime 23-20. So they're scoring a lot less points. They're giving up slightly more points. Um It's just a huge home field advantage for them in Seattle, which is great. It's just fantastic. But it's almost like... The better home field advantage you have, the harder it is for your team to play on the road. And for Seattle, I mean, they're going to have to play. Uh, they have some tough games on the road. They, um, they've, Houston was one of the toughest games on the road coming into the season. Next week they go into Indianapolis. That'll be a tough one. They got Arizona, St. Louis on the road. They got to go into the Georgia Dome where they almost won last year in the playoffs. That'll be a little bit difficult. They have the Saints at home. That's lucky. They go on uh, the road to San Francisco and then on the road to the Giants. And maybe the Giants are back in it in middle of December. So it, it will be 
growing there will be some growing pains i think for the seahawks on the road uh but they they're so good at home it's almost you you almost think that they're guaranteed 10 wins now because they have two wins on the road they've won two at home so you would you would think that they can hold, hold serve at home and win eight games and if they go 10 and 6 they're guaranteed I think they're 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 going to get in the playoffs at ten and six, but they're going to win other road games. Uh, Arizona, St. Louis on the road. I think they'll win those, um, and that puts them up to twelve wins. If they can steal another one on the road, that's thirteen. And then once you get up around thirteen, and somehow if they get to fourteen wins, lock up home field advantage, then they won't have to go on the road. So I think it's really important for the rest of the NFC to try and knock them off in the regular season a couple of times and have somebody else get home field advantage because Seattle is not going to lose in the playoffs at home. It's just, it's not going to happen. They're just, they're too good in that stadium. It's just too loud. Uh, what a great place to play. I'd love to see a game there. I think that would be really exciting. Okay. We're going to take one more break. Here's another song from the cars and then we'll wrap up today's show. Football Nation's Monday Morning Huddle. I'm your host, Dave Holcomb. Don't forget, you can tweet at me, D-M-H-O-L-C-O-M-B. You can also send me an email, holcombmdavid at gmail.com. We could talk about football. Um, Of course, I mentioned Breaking Bad a couple of times on today's show. We can talk about that. Anything, really. Um, And also... I mean, I know we it'll be kind of delayed, but I really would like to hear how many people um, watched Breaking Bad over Sunday Night Football or if they still sh- uh, chose to watch football instead of uh, Breaking Bad and, and recorded that somehow or watched it later or maybe don't even watch Breaking Bad. I don't know, but we can have a cool discussion about it maybe on our next show. Um, and also on Monday, I'd love to hear if people are going to be watching – the MLB playoff game, the tiebreaker between uh, the Rangers and Rays, or if we'll be watching Monday Night Football with the Dolphins and uh, Saints. But two matchups that I'll be watching, actually, I'll be at work, but I will be watching both of them later on um, on Monday night or even into Tuesday morning because uh, I just can't get enough sports. And this is a really exciting time of the year with baseball playoffs. I know uh, there's some people on Football Nation that don't like baseball and won't be watching the playoffs, but I'll be watching the playoffs and following that real closely, and I'll also be watching uh, football three times a week with the NFL on Thursdays now, Monday, and Sunday. That's all we have for today's show, but in the meantime, I'm going to go try and find some peace in my mind. <laughs> 